Hey everyone, my name is Tiffany and I'm on the worship team here at Eastside. Thank you so much for checking out this week's message. If you'd like to share your story, please email us at info at eastsidechurch.tv. And if you'd like to give at Eastside, please visit us at eastsidechurch.co and click the Give tab. Now please prepare your hearts for this week's message. Anybody excited this morning? Yeah, I am. God's just really been just, man, just showing me a lot this week in the, in the area of faith. And um, I just want to start from that place. Is that all right? All right? Yeah? Y'all know I'm a singer. I'm a worshiper. I would have been up here 10 minutes ago if I could have, you know. So if you don't mind, I'll take my time right now, you know, about 30 seconds, you know. But y'all know that's just me. So I just got to set the atmosphere just one second. Is that all fine? Is that fine? Thank you. Thank you. God is so good. And God is so good. And God is so good. He's so Second King chapter four, beginning at verse eight is where we want to start. And it says, one day Elisha went to a town called Shunem. Say Shunem. Yeah, that sounded like you were talking in tongues for a second, didn't it? <laughs> a wealthy woman lived there. And she urged him to come to her home for a meal. After, uh, after that, whenever he passed that way, he would stop there for something to eat. She said to her husband, I'm sure that this man who stops in from time to time is a holy man of God. Say holy man of God. Let's build a small room for him uh, on the roof and furnish it with a bed and a table, a table, a chair, and a lamp. Then he will have, the pla he will have a place to stay whenever he comes by. One day, Elisha returned to Shunem, and he went up to, the, to this upper room to rest. He said to his servant, Gehazi, tell the woman from Shunem, <clears throat> I want to speak with her. When she appeared, Elisha said to Gehazi, tell her we, we appreciate the kind concern you have shown us. What can we do for you? Can we put in a good word for you to the king or to the commander of the army? No, she replied, my family takes good care of me. 
Later, Elisha asked Gehazi, what can we do for her? Gehazi replied, she doesn't have a son. Say a son. And her husband is an old man. Come, uh, call her back again. Elisha told him, and when the woman returned, Elisha said to her, as she stood in the doorway, next year this time, you will be holding a son in your arms. No, my Lord, she cried. Oh, man of God, don't deceive me and get my hopes up like that. But sure enough, the woman soon became pregnant. And at that time, the following year, she had a son, just as Elisha had said. One day when her child was older, he went out to, his, to help his father who was working with the harvesters. And suddenly he cried out, my head hurts, my head hurts. His father said to one of the servants, carry him home to his mother. So the servant took him home and his mother held him on her lap. But around noontime, he died. Say he died. I'm really trying to restrain myself to not preach this before getting the whole text out. So, so bear with me. She carried him up and laid him on the bed with, of the man of God and then shut the door and left him there. She sent a message to her husband, send one of the servants and a donkey so that I can hurry to the man of God and come right back. Why go today, he asked. It is neither noon, uh, new moon festival nor the Sabbath. But she said it will be all right. So she saddled the donkey and said to the servant, hurry, don't slow down unless I tell you to. As she approached the man of God in Mount Carmel, Elisha saw her in, a, uh, in the distance, and he said to Gehazi, Look, the woman from Shunem is coming. Run out and meet her and ask her, Is everything all right with you, your husband, and your child? Yes, the woman told Gehazi, everything is fine. But when she came to the man of God at the mountain, she fell on the ground before him and caught hold of his feet. Gehazi began to push her away. But the man of God said, leave her alone. She is deeply troubled, but the Lord has not told me what it is. Then she said, did I ask you for a son, my Lord? And didn't I say, don't deceive me and get my hopes up? Then Elisha said to Gehazi, get ready to travel. Take my staff and go. Don't talk to anyone along the way. Go quickly and lay the staff on the child's face. But the boy's mother, uh, uh, but the boy's mother said, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I won't go home unless you go with me. So Elisha returned with her. Gehazi hurried ahead and laid his staff on the child's head, but nothing happened. There was no sign of life. He returned to meet Elijah and said, the child is dead. When Elisha arrived, the child was indeed dead, laying there on the prophet's bed. And he went alone and shut the door behind him and prayed to the Lord. Then he lay down on the child's body, placing his mouth on the child's mouth and his eyes on the child's eyes and his hands on the child's hands. And he stretched out over him on him. And the child's body began to grow what? Elisha got up, walked back and forth, pacing the room, uh, across the room once. And then he stretched himself out again on the child. This time the boy sneezed. How many times? And his eyes were open. Father, help us, Lord, today study your word. Help us explore, God, your truth. Help, 
Help us, Lord God, receive revelation, um, God, in the way that you see fit today. And God, I ask, Lord God, that you would raise our level of faith in the room, God, to believe that you can do anything, God, that your promise still stands. We declare that right now, God, that your promise still stands. Even in the midst of uncertainty, God, your promise still stands. So we bless you. In your son Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. If you're taking notes, I want to talk to you from a topic of this. Faith that furnishes breakthrough. Say faith that furnishes breakthrough. Now, it's easy sometimes for us to be able to say, oh, man, you know, I know what faith is. I know what my, my I know what I have in my faith. I grew up in the church. I've talked about faith for a long time. But this lady, she had to know that her faith was real, right? Because we, we look in the story, and, and what, what is she dealing with? She's dealing with a dead child. And so I want to talk about just kind of what was some of the makeup before, before we even see this happen. And, and so in verse 9, we see that she recognizes Elisha is holy. If you're looking in, in your Bible, you'll see that, that she recognizes that he is holy. She speaks to her husband and says, hey, I recognize that this man is holy. The word we see there in the Hebrew is the word Kaddish. This means significantly different and set apart. So she recognizes that there's something significantly different than this man that is walking by her house every day, or not every day, but on the regular. She recognizes that he carries something different. And she recognizes that he not only is just different, but he's holy, meaning that she believes that he's sent from God. Amen? And what she begins to do is that she begins to make room in her home for the things of God. Look to your neighbor and say, make room. Make room. There comes a point, and if some of you have been cheating already looking at the screen. I couldn't help it. But there comes a time where we have to shift from being content with visitation to being devoted to continual habitation. I want to talk to some church people for a second who love to come in on Sunday and say, man, if I can just get to Sunday, if I can just get to the next worship service. You, you know, I, I think that sometimes, you know, it, it's kind of flattering. People will come to Michael or come to myself, maybe even come to Pastor Alex and be like, you know, we just love when you do whatever, you know, like when, when you lead us in worship. Oh, it's so good. I can't wait to get back here. And it's beautiful. That's cool. That, 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 that is real good. But if we're not valuing that which what the Lord is depositing here, stewarding it well, sitting at home and saying, I want to make room in my house for this. You remember a couple of months ago, we talked about Zacchaeus and how Zacchaeus was willing to get undignified to be able to see the Lord. And because he was willing to get undignified, the Lord honored it. Amen. What are you willing to get undignified with? What am I willing to get undignified with? What, what am I willing to lose a way of thinking that I've had, that I've had security in for so long? What am I willing to say, that's holy, and because it's holy, I'm cleaning out whatever I got to do, and I'm making room for that in my house. I'm making room for that. I'm not even trying. We're not even to the point where, where her son has died yet. We're not even to that part of faith. It was faith from the beginning when she saw something was different in a man of God and said, I believe that something's different enough that I'm going to make room for it in my house. I hate to jump ahead in the story, but she didn't wait till her son died 
to build a place for God. You can't wait. We can't, I can't afford to wait till life just crashes and burns for me to now say, let me just get myself together. Let me build an altar here. We sing songs and we say this, being thrown upon the praises of a thousand generations. But what we, what we really say is being thrown on Sunday, Lord, between the hours of 9 and 1030 or 11 and 1230. But outside of that, I kind of sit on the throne. And if we're going to have the faith to furnish breakthroughs, see, like, I, I want you to understand that her, her, her breakthrough didn't come with just a, 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 a faith in the moment. It came with a foundational faith that she actually honored the word of God. She honored the man of God. The Bible says that this lady was wealthy. But what you don't see uh, clearly here is that she was also barren. No amount of money would give her that which what she desperately wanted on the inside. Some of us are seeking things that seem to soothe us, but they're really draining us. God's saying, hey, I, I want to deal with that. I want you to make room for me. Make room for me in your house. The time for us to get, to shift from being content with visitation to being devoted with continual habitation. Kingdom says this, glory to, I'm going to say that one more time. Kingdom says glory to, while religion says here now, heaven later. I'm going to let that sink in for just a second. Some of you have only known a version of God that says, I'm living just to be right now so that, thank you, bro, so that later I might get into heaven. Y'all, he just helped me out with some water. It's okay. Thank y'all. I think they were looking out for your backside, bro, but thank you. But um, kingdom says glory to glory. In our life, God has commissioned you once you, once you come into the revelation of who God created you to be. What the, the Bible says this, and I was teaching this at Back Creek. I'm plugging them for a second because it's an awesome school. Um, they've allowed us to come in and just be able to love on them some. And so I taught them this week that... Um, that God called us before the foundation, we were, we were predestined, correct? To be conformed into the image of his. Now, if, you, if you've got this pre-designed intention, we've got, to in, we've got to empower you from that place. We can't have you living a guessing game your whole life, hoping that you kind of get in to heaven. If we really believe that his kingdom has come and his will be done, this is how Jesus tells us, tells us to pray. He says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in. We've got to begin to see life differently. You got to begin to see your problem differently. Um, and I, I can sometimes come across like I'm being really harsh to the religious part, but I probably am because Jesus was. The hardest person that Jesus was harsh to was a religious mindset person. The person that says, I don't need to know about more prayer. I'm fine. Me and God, mind your own business. That's a scary person to me. Because where there's no humility, 
he can't be exalted. And if you think you already got it together and you don't want vulnerability, I'm not quite sure this walk for Christ is, is really what you think it is all about. Because it's not really about you getting just a reward at the end. We live daily and we see rewards all the time. One day I'm going to transition from this life into the next and I'm not going to skip a beat. Because I've been entertaining him the whole time. That might just mess with somebody's like foundation. What do you mean? Like, so we're, we're not just waiting for this. This great eternal call. Yes, we want. Yes, we want to be with we want to be with God in the fullness. Now, yes, but every day we pray, Your kingdom come, Your will be done. I went and seen the movie Black Panther. Anybody seen it in here? No. Okay, wrong crowd. But uh, <laughs> whoo! I knew it was gonna be a good line, but I didn't think it would be that good. But. <laughs> That just made me happy. But anyways, so essentially, listen, the place where he's from is hidden in plain sight. The place is literally hidden in plain sight. The country, all this, you see this cool uh, aircraft or whatever, it's flying, and then all of a sudden, it looks like it's a forest, but all of a sudden, it just illuminates a city, and it's, it really already exists, but it, the city is hidden in plain sight. I wonder if we really took heaven from that perspective for a moment. I wonder if we took thought seriously that heaven, that the dimensions of heaven, that the wonders of heaven could really be hidden in plain sight right now. That our, warp, our, our, our weapons are not, uh, are not carnal, but they're mighty through God. If you, begin to, uh, if you begin to really think about, oh, man, we're ushering in God's presence. We're ushering that in. Well, what we're saying is God manifest in my physical state what is already happening in the spiritual. Manifest that. If you begin to think from a place of that, then healing doesn't quite seem so mind-blowing. I want to present to you that this lady had confidence that God said what he said would come to pass. She had confidence because she had already seen she, or she had already heard of the prophet Elijah raising the widow's son from Zarephath. She, she, she had already heard that, that Elijah had raised a son from the dead. Amen? And because this prophet, Elisha, carried a double portion, she said, surely God's great. So much to the point that she says, everything is fine. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Y'all, we don't just sing songs for the sake of singing them, but we really believe it. I want to dig in just a little bit here, uh, just some things that just can come out here at verse 10. The woman builds a place to rest in a place called what? Double rest. For a man with a double portion resting on him. You don't believe me? I'll show you. The word shunna means double rest. We know that Elisha carried a double portion. And what she begins to do here, she says, let us build a small room for him to rest, for this man to come and rest. And so let's, let's do this and let's furnish it with a bed, with a table, with a chair, and with a lamp. Now, most, transitions, most translations do a terrible job at, at actually breaking down what, 
what these different artifacts were. But I want to just break down just for a moment what these furnishings were. If we're talking about faith that furnishes breakthrough, there was definitely some thought that went into her furnishing this room where the man of God was going to be. I said there was thought to where <laughs> she was going to host the presence of God. She didn't just say, well, you know, I'm about to have a yard sale. I'm, I'm tired of this furniture downstairs. I'm just going to throw it upstairs and he can have that. What she does is she prepares a holy place. And we're going to look at that. The, the bed, just, just a, a place of rest there. But she prepared a place for him to be able to, to have true rest. The table, the Hebrew word for table that is used here is shokan. It means a king's table, a place for private and sacred use. The word for chair here is kise, and it is the seat of honor. Say honor. Honor produces what dishonor never could in your life. Long before she's gone through something traumatic, she's already placing a seat of honor for the Lord in her house. The fact that she put a throne signified that she didn't just want him to sit there, but she wanted him to rule. We often want the Lord to come, but we reject submission to his rule. The last part, the last part of it was that there was a lamp that was there, which is signifying just the source of light. But I can, I can definitely think it's safe to say that this was an oil lamp, so it meant that it also needed maintenance. You had to continually put oil in it if you wanted it to burn. Sometimes we want God to set us on fire, but we don't think about the maintenance. It's good to have the place up there. It's good to have the bed. It's even good to have the chair. Oh, that looks great and all that stuff. But the light, the lamp, I've got, there's some part of me that has to go there regularly to be able to maintain <laughs> this light source. I'm glad that God's not a switch, an on and off switch God. Some of us only know an on and off switch God. So you, you are so wishy-washy as a person. Believe me, I'm talking for freedom because I used to be the same way. Like sometimes still struggle, okay? But we're wishy-washy because culture tells us to wishy be wishy-washy. So people who know me in this circle know this part of me. The people that know me and the other, they know it when I turn that switch off. Another word for it, politically correct. I don't want to be true to absolute truth, so I, I fall for all this relative truth. I don't want to offend someone, so I'm going to fall to being relatively truth. Oh, I can tell them the love of Jesus without really telling the truth. Like, that part, let's omit, God, let's leave that out. But she sets this in, and, and so this room is very purposefully met, uh, is very purposefully made. And we're going to try to, just for the sake of time, come, come through just for this next part, just what she was doing here. And so in verse 16, b before this, it says, because she built a place of honor in her home, her home became fertile ground for faith and expectation. Her home became what? Fertile ground for faith and is your home fertile ground for faith? Is your heart, is my heart, God, is my heart fertile ground for faith and expectation? 
It's easy to say yes, but let's look at her response because it really reveals a lot of some of our hearts in this. Verse 16. Next year this time, you will be holding a son in your arms. Now, you know, a lot of us wait for words, right? I mean, I don't think I'm the only one that waits for a word. I love when there's a word going forth, God, will you speak to me? Like, I'm even leaning forward to, like, the person giving the word being like, oh, is that for me? Okay, so y'all going to let me just be myself? Okay. All right. Don't nobody want to hear from God? Okay, all right, cool, cool. I'll take it for all of you. But verse 16 says this, that the man of God says that next year this time you will be holding a son in your arms. And her immediate response was not, yes, it was, no. No, my Lord, she cried. Oh, man of God, don't deceive me and get my hopes up like that. Disappointment produces rocks in your ground that make you unfertile. Can I speak to someone who's dealt with disappointment? Like really, dreams just crashed and burned. And if someone spoke a word of faith to you right now, a word of just hope to you right now, you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe it, you'd reject it because you've been disappointed so long that that's the only ground you know. There's whole movements of theologians who are hard in their, their, who are, their heart is cold, and they will tell you that there is no such thing as a word of faith. That is fake. That is blah, blah, blah. All this stuff. You can't encourage me. Well, why are you living, dog? You living to be mad? You wake up at breakfast, you mad? Like, you really that mad? Like, and you want to be theologically founded in your madness? You've been hurt. And you won't be vulnerable with the Lord, so you're miserable. And misery loves company, even if it's a whole denomination. So we try to get people to be evangelized by our hurt rather than be evangelized by the healing. Jesus' message heals. It never causes more hurt. If you're looking at a message from someone that's saying it's from Jesus and it's directly causing hurt, it's not from Jesus. She says, oh, man of God, don't deceive me. Don't get my hopes up like that. You know, some ladies, y'all be like, don't play with my feelings. Y'all know when that dude, he tried to text you, your husband it might have been even, he started to talk to you. He was like, no, no, I'm, why he playing with me like that? Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's boo season. You know, it's, it's February. We're still in February. It's Black History Month and boo season. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all's husbands, they, they texting y'all like that for the first time all year. You're like, oh, does he mean this? Anyways, okay. I'm back on it. I'm back on it. She built a house. She built a place of honor in her home. And her home became fertile ground for faith and expectation. Now, even though she rejected the word, the word still came to pass. You can reject it. You can run from it. You can hide from it. But if the word of God has been spoken over you, it will come to pass. I don't care how you look. I don't care how you mismanage it, all those different things. It will come to pass regardless, and you can mismanage it if you want to. And so it says that it later came to pass. There's this, this note here that I have 
just with this is that her obedience to what God had instructed her to produce, it produced fruit in her life. We're at an interesting time of talking about faith in the church right now, and we, we've been talking about these building blocks, and I really felt that God was just speaking to me about the building blocks, and there was this word that he was giving me. He says, the building block of devotion is the only gate to legally reproduce. Because she produced it, because she built a place of honor in her home, it gave her legal right in the kingdom to now not be barren and to produce life. If you keep bitterness in your heart, you are saying to God, I am not legally ready to reproduce any part of blessing. If disappointment still has grips in your heart, you cannot produce the fruit in a season that God wants you to produce. Bitterness, it robs you of your joy. It steals you of your happiness. And you waste time in the process. I want to talk a little bit about what this, what this move would mean. And if we're talking in terms of faith, that God is moving us in faith. And it would be easy for us to say, oh, well, we're, we're getting ready for the Lord to grow us. We're getting ready for the Lord to outpour and do that thing to, to, to grow. But I want to I wanna just steady us for a second that all growth that we see happening in church today is not all the growth that God wants. Case in point, we have more mega churches per capita in the United States today than we've ever had in the history of the country, yet we have more people today that don't go to church, period, than we've ever had in the history of the country. The thing is not growth. They'll tell you all day long we're trying to reach the unchurched. They're really trying to reach the board churched. Because it's the best show on the road that's going to get the most people. Help me, Holy Ghost. It's the best thing. So I've got to constantly strive to be better than what my brother is. If I, if I gain at the loss of my brother, it's not gaining. Some of you, you know, like God's been dealing with you with finances. And I remember when me and Ashley first got married, that she did this thing that really kind of like got on my nerves a little bit. Um, and it was, we had a couple of bank accounts. And so, not, not, please don't go thinking that it was a whole lot of money. It basically was the same amount of money spread out three different ways. But she would move it from here to there. And sometimes even within the same day, move it from checking to savings and saving to checking it. And I remember one time we got locked out from doing any transfers because you can't legally transfer that many times from saving to checking. And I was like, yo, you act like the money is actually growing. It just looks like the number is growing, okay? It looks like the number is growing, but it's not real growth. The number of churches in America is decreasing, while the number of mega churches in America is increasing. You ain't growing churches, you just emptying the little ones. And if we're to get the expression that God wants of us, we gotta rid that out of our DNA right now and say, God, produce a church that reproduces your fruit that is framed in the fire of you that will actually last that when your holy spirit descends on east side it actually will remain because it's fruit from heaven not fruit from down the street (laughs) 
I felt the Lord give me this, and so I, I want to share it with you, but I'm going to read it. It's on the screen for you, but let's not be a church of transfer growth. Let's be a church that his fire remains and produces the fruit and produces sons and daughters out of the fire that started with a lamp of revelation in the place called devotion. The thing about devotion is that there's no shortcut around it. I'm devoted right now to changing my life. I'm devoted right now to changing my body. That means I meet with people on a regular basis. One of those people is Stephen Vulo. Why? Because I want to be with a successful coach, not someone who's like my, my 600-pound life telling me what to do, okay? <laughs> but so we, meet on a regular, so we meet on a regular basis. My devotion to that is everything. And there's no shortcut. There's no shortcut. The thing that we can respect of a person that has found devotion, a, 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 an identity rooted in devotion, is that they have constantly and constantly been refined by a fire that only the Father could give. John knew this about his identity. He says, I'm the one who Jesus, it wasn't that Jesus loved him more. It was just that he actually understood that his identity was birthed from a place that said, Jesus loves me. This I know, for he, he always tells me so. If the band could come back. I promise I'm closing. We began to sing a song just a little bit ago that said, your promise still stands, great is your faithfulness. For sake of time, I'm just going to kind of go over these last couple of points, just kind of a little bit more fast. But the woman had faith that even though things seemed futile, it was fertile because of the promise. I want to say that one more time. She had faith that even though things seemed futile, it was fertile because of the promise. She didn't make up on her own. She didn't say that she wanted a son. She wasn't just making a room in their house so that the man of God could tell her that she'd have a son. She actually was wealthy, and she was pouring out her resources so that God might pour himself out on her. She pours herself out. She builds a place. These aren't the cheap artifacts from downstairs. She actually invests resources of herself into the place where God was, where the place where the man of God was, and God pours himself back out on her. After her son dies, we see this incredible mark of faith, and we know that she then takes the track to the man of God. But after this, we see something incredible take place. And what we see take place is that she gets to where Elisha is. And I want you to notice something. When she laid the boy on the bed that was for the prophet, what was the thing she did? She shut the door. Not everybody could be in her business in that moment, for this was a moment that was for her and God. Because this was a promise that God made to her. This was, a prom this was personal. This was a promise that God made to her. And she said, I refuse to see. I know everyone else is seeing death, but I refuse to see it because it's a promise. And he has told me it will live. And because he's told me, I don't care what else other uh, circumstances say. I don't care what other situations say. I believe the promise of the Lord. I believe what he said. I don't believe what I see because my eyes can fool me, but I believe through faith the promise of the Lord. 
And she shuts the door there. And likewise, when she gets to the prophet, you need to understand that he sends Gehazi out. We learn later that Gehazi was nothing more than a Judas in disguise. He was not a faithful servant. She trusted the word of God with only the man that was worthy of holding it. She trusted what was deep in her heart. She, you, you see what she says first. She says, everything is fine. Because she didn't want to reveal the natures, the deepest natures of her heart to someone who was not worthy of holding it. Even if he was masked in church. Some of you got counterfeits that, that are in your life right now that are telling you they're for you. They're telling you all this stuff. Ask God to reveal the nature of their heart. Ask God to bring the fire of God on them. Because only what is in him will remain. She trusts herself to get to the point where the, the prophet was. And at that point, that's where she fell to his feet. She fell there and said, you, I didn't ask you for this. I didn't ask you for this. You, 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 you told me you wouldn't get my hopes up. And the prophet being a righteous man of God says, okay, I, I'm, something isn't right with this. Something isn't up. And he gets there. And this is my favorite part in the story. That after he tells her that he's going to be fine, she says, okay, that's all good and well. You gave me that word, but that talk is cheap. You need to come to me because I'm not leaving here until you go. I'm not leaving here until you come and you actually see what you said. And she brings him there. And this prophet also gets into the room and he does what? Close the door. I don't know what voices you need to silence this morning, but there's some lies of doubt that get into this process where we as a church are moving into an area of faith. We're moving to a place of faith, and God's saying, shut the door to negativity in your mind. Shut the door to negativity in your heart. Shut the door to negativity, even just in your finances. Shut the door and let God work. And the Bible says that he laid out over this boy, and at first nothing happened. He's, the boy's still lifeless. And so he gets even more frustrated and he says, now eyes to his eyes, mouth to his mouth, hands to his hands. He stretches out over him and he begins to plead the blood over him. She, he begins to pray the promise over him. And some of you might have come in here today holding something that looks dead. And you're wondering, God, how can you resurrect this? I guarantee you, if you give him the chance to lay out over it, stretch out over it. He will be faithful because he told you. And what he promises, he's faithful to complete. Amen? So I don't know if you believe it, but I still believe that his promises still stand. Amen? So if you could stay with me. And I don't know who I was talking to, if that was one, if that was two, if that was 20. But I know there's some promises in my life that, that I've heard God speak to me. And I know there's some promises, even financially, that I've heard God speak to me. And sometimes that thing looks dead. But I refuse to believe the lie of what I see. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. If what you see isn't birth in the Word of God, you're not really seeing yet. Because heaven is hidden in plain sight. And if you could see how he sees your situation, you'd begin to worship him like crazy. You'd begin to go nuts because the devil thought he had you tied up and believing that you were a lie. He thought he had you tied up and believing that you weren't going to have enough. But I'm here to tell you today, the promise still stands. Amen? I said the promise still stands. Amen?